hi, it's Tori, and today is a very special bonus episode of the pod. Nick and I are deep diving Midnight's Taylor Swift's 10th studio album, but you already knew that, and I just wanted to let you know that this is part one of a part three series. The other two parts are going to be Patreon exclusives, so if you want to listen to part two after you're done today's episode, head on over to patreon.com slash rtbp podcast and you can listen to part two that's already up and part three that will be released later this week or early next in part one we are talking about the first five songs on midnights and part two we talk about the next seven and then or eight my apologies and then on part three we're going to talk about the 3 a.m tracks as well as we pick 16 songs that we think Taylor will perform in her upcoming tour. We share our favorite song from the album, our least favorite song, and we listen to a voicemail from Melody to see which song she is most likely to fall asleep to, uh, which will then <laughs> then translate into her Spotify wrapped number one spot for this year. So again, if you want to listen to part two and part three, head on over to patreon.com slash RTVP podcast. A playlist original. It's your host Tori and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBB. So glad you're here. Very exciting episode. Nick is joining us today. Nick, how are you? Um, I am here. Okay, let's get into today's episode. We're going to talk about Midnight's Obvi. What were your like thoughts leading up to this album? Okay, so, yeah, I was unsure of what the vibe was going to be and i think they announced at some point in time that she was like releasing three clips of songs onto tiktok right yeah was that like ahead of the album drop it was but i think that ended up getting scrapped because (laughs) yeah because i rumor has it because the album got leaked or at least the original version not the 3 a.m version um she was like pissed and i'm pretty sure she scrapped that (laughs) i see i didn't know that she scrapped it but i was like well i don't have tiktok so i guess i'm not even gonna get to hear like the vibe clips i was like hopefully they'll show up on an instagram reel or something for me (laughs) (laughs) like i'll just live over there (laughs) Um, so i didn't have any vibe the only thing that i had to go off of was her like midnight mayhems with me to try to figure out aesthetically what we were getting at and i was like okay that phone has a telephone cord (laughs) so we're clearly not in the 2000s and the like graphics to me felt very 80 um or maybe like and like she was like up against that like wood vinyling background yeah Yeah, so i was like okay i think we're and i we had both talked about much prior to this album getting released back in the days that we thought it was like Wood Vale or whatever. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> that it was going to be a, an album she could tour with. Um, yes. I knew, I knew logically we were getting an album she would tour with, which is more pop centered music. So I was trying, it was like, yeah. is it like going to be like synth pop? But how is it going to be different from 1989? Because obviously she's not going to make the same type of album again. Um, so I was really kind of just like, 
thinking we were going to get some like more upbeat pop songs with like better lyrics than you traditionally get from pop songs, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I agree that it's like you can't tour a stadium tour with just Evermore and folklore so I was like I know we're gonna have like a banger of an album and I think that this delivered some stadium like some songs that would be good in her stadium tour which we'll talk about I'm sure she was thinking about all of these different elements in her head when creating an album but I think she knew that she didn't need to have essentially 13 stadium songs right because she's like I have essentially four albums to draw upon to make a set list which Little, let's drop a little hint for later. Tori and I will go over what we think, you know, our set list will be from the last four albums, including yes. Midnight's. Yes. And I think she was wanting to still play around kind of in her, the sound of folklore and evermore that she likes so much while also creating a tour album. Um, but 100%. I think it did a really, really well job of balancing both of those different elements. Yeah, I felt like, and I've seen this on TikTok, but I really, truly felt like there was like 1989 sounds, rep sounds, and ever more folklore. Yeah, I, I agree. Sounds. And from the from the first few, like, I'm so I was not staying up until one o'clock in the morning to I to know. listen to this album. Right, I'm on the East Coast. I had students the day when I went. I went on a Friday, and they're like, "Did you stay up till midnight to listen to to Midnight's?" And I was like, "Look, I cannot afford like to do that." Was I up at midnight? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Tori, it was it was Thursday night. It was trivia night. And then after trivia ended, it was only like 8.15. So we went out after trivia. Oh, my God, Nick. (laughs) So I had dropped my friend off like just before midnight. So when I was driving from his house back to my house, I was like, okay, I can play the first song off of Midnight's and listen to it. But I cannot commit to 1 a.m. for this whole album. Little did I know that there is a 3 a.m. release. Like, could you have imagined if I stayed up till 1 a.m. and then in my head I was like, I can just stay up till 4 a.m. and listen to the the 3 a.m. track. Like, there was no fucking chance that that was happening. Yeah. Um, So I just listened to it on my way to school on um, Friday morning and got through all of the tracks but two. And then I listened to the other two later. Yeah. (laughs) So I did my live stream for Midnight, and we listened to all 13 songs. And then we were just, you know, chatting afterwards and – Someone in the chat goes like, we're only 19 minutes out from the 3 a.m. So at, at this time for me, it would be what? Like, it would have been just almost... before midnight for you, right? Yeah. 3 a.m. Yes. was drop on the Pacific Coast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nearing midnight for me. And I was like, hey, should we just stay up for the, the chaotic surprise? <laughs> then we see that it's seven new songs. And I'm like, oh, I really want to go to bed. <laughs> and then people are like. Stay for the, like, listen to the seven. So we listened to the seven. We ended up live streaming to, like, one thirty Pacific time. Yeah. That- <laughs> and that's uh, fucked my sleep for, like, the past four days. So thank you. <laughs> like, no, it was super fun. But, like, now the past, like, three nights I've gone to bed at, like, 2 a.m. And yep. it's now currently ruining my life. That's- <laughs> she said midnights twice. And multiple more nights of midnights for you to write your own midnight-centered music. <laughs> literally. Literally. So, should we get into the lyrics, like, analysis and, like, the, the sound of the album? We're going to do our uh, draft for uh, upcoming her upcoming tour 
We'll do fave song, least favorite song. And we have a, a special voice memo from Ooh. our friend. <laughs> Who may or may not have needed some, some guidance after <laughs> the folklore <laughs> two year. <laughs> Literally. But I feel like we should get into the songs. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm ready for that too. Um, before we jump into that though, I want to know like, I heard that she made like $63 million off of merch or okay. something. Can you give me the rundown on like all that? Because what was the only merch that I saw personally was all of the like different colored albums. Yes. <laughs> so it's really funny because like everyone on TikTok is like, we love our like capitalist queen. <laughs> and like, it's just so true because like other than the la- the lavender edition of the vinyl, there was no additional songs on the different colored ones. Basically, they just made a clock. All four yeah. of them just made a clock on the back. And the merch is like literally horrendous. Like it's but there is actually merch. There's there's so much more merch. And they're just, like, badly, like, print-screened socks and, (laughs) like, hoodies. And I just am like, Tay, you made $63 million in in 2020. Like, you don't need to put out this, like, shit. (laughs) And then, like, we were talking about this on the live stream, but it's like, there are so many cool, like, Etsy designers and stuff that make really cool Taylor-inspired merch and stuff. And I'm like... She should hire those people or, like, like license those designs or something because, like, her shit is ugly right now. <laughs> More ugly than the cardigan? Yeah! <laughs> the cardigan looks good in comparison. Oh, God. Literally, like, this looks really tacky. Do we blame her, though? Like, who has time to focus on merch when you've been writing four albums and two re-record albums over a two-year span? Like, I mean... She definitely has the people that could do it. For $63 million, spare, like, a small percentage of that and higher quality shit. But she probably also is like, I don't need to. Yeah, everyone on the live stream was joking. They were like, I bet she's going to drop another floaty. Because remember, (laughs) she had those, like, floaties. (laughs) But, like, well, actually, Kenzie, my friend, who's a singer-songwriter, was telling me, like, how you make $0 on Spotify. So basically, artists have to make money off of touring and merch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she hasn't been able to tour for the last couple of years. So she's obviously, like, doubling down on the merch. But it's a little bit excessive. Oh, for for sure. Also, I want to say, we don't have Target in Canada. Even though you can apparently buy the lavender version at this, like, record store here. But I haven't heard hits different yet. Uh, So, okay, so literally moments before we started recording this podcast... Tori was like, okay, I'm waiting on the Zoom. And I was like, okay, let me just listen to Dear Reader. I was like, rip to your ears. <laughs> and, and Tori was like, it's a, literally the worst song on the album. Plot twist. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, spoiler plot alert, twist. Yeah, <laughs> literal spoiler alert. I um, always spoil my song, though, before the end, so. But then Tori texted me. She was like, I still haven't hit, listened to Hits Different. And I looked at the text for, like, three minutes probably as I was like running around getting ready for sitting down here and I was like am I just like misinterpreting her text like is her song hits different that I I didn't know about like so I like opened back up the 3am version because I was like 
mm, did you maybe. miss something? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I didn't really listen to all of the 3 a.m. tracks like in a row consecutively in order. Um, yeah. So I was like, maybe I did somehow miss it. And then I was like, mm, I have no idea what Tori's talking about. Maybe like <laughs> wrong message. So until this exact second, I didn't know that there was a song called It's Different. Yeah. So apparently on the lavender version that you can only buy at Target, there's a song called Hits Different, and then there's two, like, instrumental or, like, orchestral, like, versions of two of the other songs. But my question in Shady Point about the damn records is, like, yeah, how many people, like, if you had to pick a number, what percent of people who buy those <laughs> albums actually have a fucking record player? I just remember, like, in, yeah, no, like, okay, if I had to guess, like, 10%. <laughs> Like, it's low, but, like, I remember there was a big trend in, like, I would say, like, maybe, like, 2015, where a lot of people were buying record players from Urban Outfitters. Yep, nope, so, and I was just gonna say that, so my sister bought one of those (laughs) record players from Urban Outfitters probably around 2015. Yes. Uh, The record player she bought cannot play, like, a particular type of album, and I remember her buying, like, an Arctic Monkeys album or, yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. and putting it on and it straight up just didn't play. <laughs> didn't yeah, because you have to have a certain type of like vinyl. Like, yeah. So now we have this record player that is also a Bluetooth speaker that we only use as a Bluetooth speaker now. <laughs> so it's like... Well, like it's aesthetics. Yeah, so, no, and like... that's what it is. But the aesthetic of, of what? Like <laughs> showing... If I walk... And this is shade. Mm-hmm. If I walk into somebody's house and they had like six records on display that they had bought over the last five years but didn't own a record player, I would judge them so hard. I'd be like, just print out a colored version of <laughs> yeah, and put frame it. On it. Your you don't need to spend yeah. 20-something dollars on this damn, like, vinyl so you can be, like, 70s chic. <laughs> Show me that we're responsible with money. <laughs> yes! Okay, uh, because I was also going to buy a record player in 2015 for the aesthetics. And then I, like, looked at records. I was like, okay, they're, like, $25 each. And how often would I play this? Like, zero, zero percent of the time. So I I was money conscious there. <laughs> like, <laughs> And we support that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that one moment, no other moment. So I want to know, actually, from people who, listen, who are listening to this podcast, let Tori know. If you are somebody who got swindled by the Taylor Swift scammer herself <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. bought, bought the Lavender one or one of the other ones, but don't actually own a record player, like, just fess up to it. Just yeah, just yeah. It. tell us now. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're silently judging. <laughs> Not so silently judging. <laughs> or tell us if you were bamboozled into buying a record player in 2015. <laughs> yes, yes, or that one. <laughs> like, yeah, that literally. was some mass propaganda leading up to Christmas 2015. No. Literally, like, I bought one for my sister for Christmas probably that year, maybe 2016 or whatever. And then she bought, like, five records, never used it, and then sold it on, like, Facebook Marketplace <laughs> like for probably half it. the price. So yeah. that brings like how many people have actually heard hits different? <laughs> like all the bitches that went to Target and got and, the lavender version. But have those people leaked it online for the rest of us? Okay, so I'm sure they've leaked it on like Reddit or something like that. But I did a quick YouTube search and I did a quick Spotify search and it's straight up not on those. Okay, so. fakes. Because I remember back in like 2010 or 2009, I could find the like I'd lie version of Taylor Swift <laughs> yeah, on YouTube yeah. that has never come to see the light of day since that youtube video so yeah i like i just want to say 
2000s YouTubers work harder than today's TikTokers. 100%. Yeah, like where like like bring back LimeWire. Yeah. Can we get the people who really grind? Yes, yes. I no, know that I person agree. stole Lana Del Rey's laptop in order to get songs off of it. Like, where is the commitment, people? <laughs> that was so fucking nuts. I feel like that's such an underrated story that literally someone stole Lana, Lana Del Rey's <laughs> laptop out of her fucking car to get the leaks. Like, it's low-key <laughs> iconic. Like, and then hacked onto her computer. Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> But like, bring we don't us support criminals, different. but no, but we but, appreciate the grind. Yeah, we would appreciate if you uploaded hits different ASAP. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first song, Lavender Haze. Okay, I don't think I have ever been so excited for an album after I heard the first like five notes of Lavender Haze because I was like, <gasps> when <laughs> like, she was like yeah. Mimi at midnight, I was like, oh my fucking god! Like I literally. I'm, I should pull the clip from the live stream. I <laughs> literally died. Maybe I'm in nights. It is so good. Like, um, it's just a really good song. I think, like, okay, it's not my favorite song, but, like, it's probably in my top three. Like, so it's said, fucking let me, good. Yeah, said, let, let me. Let me pause for a second so I don't spoil anything. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, let me check my, oh, I don't want to show you, but let me check my post-it note that I wrote the everything down on. So I didn't put it in the outline so Nick couldn't peek, but, like, it's so fucking good. Like, the lines about, like, if I'm going to be, like, the, people keep asking if I'm going to be your bride. Like, it's yeah. just, it's so fucking good. I love what she does with her vocals, too, where she goes, like, in almost like two different registers. I'm not like a music coach, so I don't know the <laughs> what you yeah, call them. But like, yeah. which octaves is like, maybe. 1950 shit they want from me. Like that type yeah, of vocal yeah. from like the other parts of the song. I love. One of my friends compared it to that she was listening to, it and she was like, "I kept thinking it was gonna like switch to like I think he knows with the like beat." of it and kind of like how she was singing it and and after I listened to it with that mind I was like yes I see exactly what you're talking about yes Uh, yes it was the perfect album opener because like again even my sister who's not a big Taylor Swift fan is like I really like Lavender Haze (laughs) it's really good it's a a really good song I'm kind of surprised for how seemingly traditional Taylor Swift is in her relationships that she was so anti-marriage on this album. Yeah, she brought that up in several different songs about being yeah. like, why do people like keep talking about me wanting to like be a bride? Like, it, it to me it felt very much like, are people not going to accept this as a real relationship unless I'm married? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I feel like also just the pressure of because now she's thirty two. Mm-hmm. I feel like also just the pressure of marriage in your thirties is mm-hmm. a lot greater than it is in your 20s yeah i think the other thing that was kind of interesting is i don't remember what song it was on so maybe you can remember i I don't feel as like ready for this podcast as the other ones where i listened like a hundred times before i know but there was one of the songs where she had a line that talked about like unless you're a one night stand or a wife like there's no room for anything in between yeah that's this song oh it is this song yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, look at me not jumping ahead. I, pre- I I was so well prepared for this podcast story. Honestly, let's cl- we'll clip out the part where you said you weren't. <laughs> um, but I think that like that was a theme that ran through the album, which makes me almost, in some ways, like look at her relationship with Joe 
even different now is like she's kind of like yeah okay i've been in a relationship with him for like so many years but that doesn't mean it has to lead to marriage to marriage <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think, like, there's references to Joe. So there's lyrics. I find it dizzying. They're bringing up my history, but you weren't even listening. That very much seems like... Because in in Lover and then all of her subsequent albums, I feel like she talks about Joe about how he, like, didn't care about her star status and her past relationships, etc. He sounds like a fucking saint. Like... (laughs) Like, literally. But, yeah, I definitely think that they're, like, in a real relationship. And, like, it's a good Mm. relationship. Like, I know people think sometimes they're not. They're in, like, a bearded relationship. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're in a real one. Yeah, I this song, too, like, the the line of, like, get it off your chest, like, get it off my desk is something I keep listening to. And I'm like, I don't really know if I can – I'm sure that the Swifties have cracked it. Like – what she means by like they get it off my desk because that's very much like a symbol to like yep just like get this thing like signed yeah. sealed, delivered check check mark like yeah I don't want to deal with it anymore but like I'll see it through but I feel like that's I don't know why she's saying it in this this context of like get it off yeah so like my interpretation also was like like I, the visual was someone like clearing like taking their hand and clearing yep. their desk off and I just think it was just kind of like. Yeah, like you're working on something at your desk and she just wants none of it. So she pushes it away. Okay. That's, yeah, that was my interpretation, but I'm not sure. Because Lavender Pays, like the the verbiage of it comes from basically like just being in a certain stage of love. Yeah, this was the controversial part also prior to Midnight's being released because Lavender Haze and like Lavender marriages and relationships are apparently queer relationships where one or if not both are bearding and correct me if I'm wrong but talking to my like gayler friends on the live stream that's my understanding of it I was just gonna say is this the the uh Klossers (laughs) yeah yeah the Kaylers for sure but then she came out with um I think it was TikToks where she was talking about the songs and she was like it was from Mad Men slash the 50s which she does technically reference in the song but so the Gaylers were mad because they're she's like it's very like queer coded and now you're saying that it's about Joe like Mm -hmm. blah 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 and then the Hetlers were like oh my god like it's it's um just from Mad Men like take it for what it is so there was a lot of controversy and I don't know where I stand (laughs) but yeah that's a very specific turn of phrase and like that's why I'm like Taylor doesn't make mistakes and Taylor would know what like turn of phrases and um symbols and references to literature and stuff like that Mm -hmm. are so important to her so I don't think she I will say I don't think that was a mistake. Yeah, I think I have, I have two things on that. Um, one is, uh, it's going to sound like a side tangent, but I probably <laughs> promise you it's not. Um, I'm, so for school, I'm currently rereading The Great Gatsby. Um, oh, and perfect I don't, timing. I was going to say, is that like a foundational text for Canadian students too? Um, I've actually never read it, but I'm sure it, I'm sure it's in wow. schools. Yeah, okay. I know, I know. Um, uh, wow. <laughs> My yeah. Book. Like I know the I know the um the storyline and some of the importance of it and then some of the symbols and stuff, but yeah, it wasn't in my curriculum. I'm sure it is in other Canadian schools though. Yeah, wow, okay. 
all of that to say is that you can read The Great Gatsby in like, in my opinion, like four or five different ways, depending on what you're focusing for, like in the text. Like you can read it just like on a plot level. You can read it on the like symbolic level. You can look at it um, from the perspective of like Nick as the main character, opposed to looking at it as like Gatsby, the main character. And then like the way that I'm currently rereading it now is looking at like the play of um, what F. Scott should f scott fitzgerald titled it which is the great gatsby which to me like almost reveals um a style of like magician to gatsby like you know how you'd say like the great houdini right yes 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 or that style of like okay there's a magician here that's trying to focus your direction somewhere else so you're not paying attention to like what the story is really about yes interesting and if you read it through that way you look at it as, okay, Nick is telling you in all of these different ways, he's trying to highlight that he's like an honest person who doesn't judge, which like one, he definitely judges. We know that. (sighs) But if you look at it for the text of like, okay, how can I figure out that like Nick is not an honest person in these deeper ways? How does that change my perception of the entire story? If it seems like what he's doing is not being reliable. Right. Yeah. And I say that to look at this situation with Taylor and Mm -hmm. her being like, I know the conversation around me out there i know how to spin it as this is what i'm singing and this is how i'm projecting outward to the world but knowing that people are going to dig into my songs and my lyrics um in a way that is not what i'm projecting i want them to be but it's exactly what she wants people to be because that's the staying power that's a legacy that you create years after like essentially you're um and years after you've maybe even just stopped singing that people in years listen to something down the road and interpret it a completely new way and knowing that these rumors are around her calling a song lavender haze and saying it's this it just keeps the commotion i think going forward if people ever want to go back and look at her discography as a whole whenever she her career is done to try to figure out more things about her and i think that might be a conscious choice she is making now in these last several albums um that she wasn't before because taylor swift feels different than just like a normal singer that makes albums and makes songs. She's very much trying to wrap this whole thing around her of like, what is her mystique, right? Yeah. Interesting. So, and then the, all I was going to say about the Lavender Haze portion of this is if that's like being in love and being in this stage of love that is not like getting married and all of that, I think the lyrics make a lot of sense to the title in that way when she's like, all that 90 50 shit they want from me, or like, if you're not a one night lover or a yeah. bride, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree because this really reminded me of the love triangle Betty, James, yeah. and Augustus or whatever. Like, because everyone was reading that as a queer relationship. And then she, in the long pond se- session, was like, started using like she, he pronouns. And and everyone was disappointed. And this very much seems like that. But mm-hmm. I... Also, just think that that's Taylor, like, yep. like that, right? Like, that's her. You're right. She has. She wants to keep the mystique up. Her career now is creating conversations about lyrics and Easter eggs and and finding stuff and blah blah blah. And so I feel like this is just like classic her. And I think that her Easter eggs now are not even like hints of what's coming next for her. They are things that fans. And people that look at her can interpret in any way that they want to and support that with evidence that they want to support it with. And I yeah. I, th- I still think it's funny that people are like, 
trying to dig up Easter eggs for when she might release something or whatnot. I'm not saying she doesn't do that, but it's definitely not as common as like the people on Twitter would want to make it seem that it is yes yes (laughs) really people like come on like we don't i know like literally i was on tiktok and it was like 10 plus 3 plus 5 minus 7 (laughs) like is actually gonna be the next like release date and i was like "Mm, okay for people who love doing that this is i'm gonna try to set you up with um, maybe something a little bit more enjoyable for you Watch the mole on Netflix. Yes! <laughs> there, are, I, yes. there are clues in there that lead directly to the answer you're going to get at the end of the season. So if you love trying to crack code without knowing the actual answer, go watch the mole. <laughs> yes, okay, that is such a, that is such a good one. And okay, there's also another one, and I can't remember what it's called. It's a comedy crime TV show on Netflix where the guest, there's a host... Is it Will Arnett? Hold on, let me just. Is it, it the up. one that Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek is in? Yes, yes, and I was trying to get you to watch it. I feel like is it like Murderville? Murderville, thank you. <laughs> okay, yes. yes, okay. If you're into Taylor Swift Easter eggs, but you're tired of being wrong, like watch Murderville because basically it's like Will Arnett is a police detective and he brings famous celebrities like Annie Murphy Murphy from Schitt's Creek and Annie has to solve a crime by going to different like pieces at like bits of the crime scene and picking stuff up and then guess who like the murderer was and yeah it's really fun because it's comedy but you also are looking for clues yourself that someone is the murderer i really do think this is so off topic uh, yeah but everyone expects that i really do think that is like the next wave of tv it's bringing about these shows where the viewers can play along with it but they don't have to have like the time commitment to watch like a game of thrones thing because that's the crux of tv anyway right even when you watch like a comedy show or a drama like you're trying to figure out where things are going to go and there's a carefully crafted storyline to figure those things out i think now just being more intentional about like, hey, yes, there is a mystery. We are explicitly leaving you pieces too, and we're gonna wrap it up in a shorter period of time. I think that's why people love Knives Out, and the reason yes. that Knives Out Two is gonna come directly straight to Netflix, opposed to like you know Theaters. doing a movie theater run, because yeah. Netflix shelled out a lot of money to get that movie. And I think yeah. if it proves to be successful as like okay, m- like murder mystery or just like mystery and solving stuff and they've put a lot of money into the mole i we could see netflix trying to like revive that which you know people who watch the the critically um not acclaimed show who done it on abc like a decade ago our hearts are like happy right now (laughs) literally literally who knew who done it was gonna be brought up in this episode like fucking not me Actually, you know, I just said it was ABC. It was definitely Fox. <laughs> it was on. I think it was on ABC in, oh, was in Canada, at least. Yeah, another mystery ABC. to solve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us know. We're not gonna look it up. Can't wait for Taylor Swift to put "Who Done It" in her next song. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, no crime. <laughs> All right. Okay. Anyway, let's move Anyways. on to the color of blood, maroon. Yeah, maroon. <laughs> um, I'm also obsessed with this song. Okay, this might be my first hot take. You don't like Maroon? I have not yet gotten into it after five or six listens. (laughs) Oh my god. I actually had... That's a hot take. I had to watch the music, the lyric video for it yesterday, like, as I was getting ready to go to the wedding, because I was like, maybe I'm, like, missing something, like, in the lyrics. 
I'm very confused about what she's singing about in the first place. And, like, that might just be, like, an issue, like, for me. I was very confused when she was talking about, like, the wine you spilt on me. And I was like, wait, did he throw a glass of wine at her? Like, were they, was, were they like, you know, like, foreplaying and he spilt yeah. it on her? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she yeah, ta- yeah. Like, and she's talking about, like, the marks, something on her, like, collarbone, which I'm assuming are, like, hickeys. Hickeys, But I'm yeah. confused about, like, so give it to me. Give me the, and the, her, the sound, like, sonically, it sounds so different than Lavender Haze and Antihero that I'm like, <laughs> I just don't know how to process it. Yeah. So, you know why I love this? Because I'm a big Kaler girl. <laughs> You're like, shut the fuck up. And I think that this is about Carly. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> You're like, you think everything's about Carly. So, like, I really You've been like indoctrinated. I know. Like, so, like, it's so, so true. So, like, okay. Why I think it's about Carly and so why I enjoy it is because, like, okay. So, she talks about close friends, which I think is a very, like, is a, um, you know, usually a metaphor for, like, closeted relationships, which this was. And then I love the line about cheap-ass screw-top rosé because, A, I only drink cheap-ass <laughs> screw-top rosé. I was like, okay, like, called out. like. <laughs> um, And then I just think that that's such a great line. Like, I just love that visual. Why it reminded me of Carly specifically, rosé comes up in The One on Folklore. Rosé flowing with your chosen family. Mm. And we think The One is about Carly. And then I feel like these visuals of like dancing with no shoes, especially in New York. Gross. I know, I know, I know, I know. Every time I'm like the rat like situation. (laughs) But like, I just like very much think that was the time of like Cornelia Street, Lover, Carly, etc. Spilling wine also comes up in dress. Love dress. (laughs) Love dress. And <laughs> and I just love, like, her songs. She clearly has a thing with the color red. Duh. Oh, yes. Yeah, and people, people like, dispute that. Um, but, like, yeah, like, I just love her descriptions of, like, thought it was burning red, but it's golden. Like, you know, just all of her references to red. I just feel like this is another layer on top of her feelings towards this color and what it evokes. And that's why I think I like it so much. Yeah. I, first of all, the, the lyric about like screw top rosé is legitimately one of the best lines on the album. Like I it love is, it. <laughs> it is so fucking good. It's one of those things that like she could definitely like trademark. Like, you know how she tried to like trademark like, I coughed, not, was it I coughed on the beat and the beat got sicker? Or like, no, that wasn't her. But I like coughed the, on the beat and the beat yeah. got <laughs> Okay, that, that was absolutely definitely. absolutely not Taylor Swift. It's not Taylor Swift, she, but Kate, what? She, she was said like, the, this. going to hate, I believe. Kate, she, tried, she tried to do that, but she also tried, this beat is sick or something like that. That what, was what is... Lady Gaga. This beat <laughs> is sick. I want it to come right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what does Taylor Swift say about the beat? <laughs> I know, I know, I got it. It's the beauty and the beat. Oh, that wasn't Taylor either. (laughs) Okay, whatever. I I fucking give up. (laughs) I really think it was like haters gonna hate. It was something from Shake It Off. Yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tori's laughing, but her facial expressions right now. Okay, whatever. I I just think that yeah, that's something she's gonna like try to trademark. Yeah, she's gonna I'm open saying. her next merch is gonna be wine, and it's gonna be cheap ass <laughs> screw top rose. <laughs> and and she I will be sell purchasing it. it. Yeah, she will sell it for not a cheap ass amount of money. <laughs> yeah, literally, I would be buying that for sure. But yeah, I think like the visual of it is really good. It's relatable. Like that right there is a. When people, if people went back to caring about Instagram comments or like quotes, like people would use that one. 100%. That's such a good point. I also just think like it's a really relatable song because it talks about like roommates. It kind of seems like college vibes. Yeah. Um, and like how she's just so wrapped up in this person that she gets distracted. Like uh, they forgot about the incense and, you know, it like burned all over there vinyl shelf which again message us if you have a vinyl shelf (laughs) (laughs) like and then like just being like super I don't know obsessed with this person and like yeah I just feel like the other thing I want to say about the Carly thing is like they were like kind of roommates in New York and they were roommates and they were roommates (laughs) history will say they were roommates and yeah I just feel like Okay, so, like, people on the live stream were asking, like, how do you interpret the quote? How'd we end up on the floor anyways? You say, your roommate's cheap-ass screw-top rosé, that's how. I kind of feel like that would be, like, the love interest saying that to Taylor. And then Taylor being, like, your roommate talking about herself, the rosé. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. <laughs> I just wish I had more to add on this. I'm like, sorry, I'm like scrolling and reading the lyrics in my room right now. And I'm no, wishing I had more thoughts. Like, you're fine. To me, everything you just said sounds like a super exciting song. But the song doesn't and, excite me. I know, I know. <laughs> I wish that's the fair. Beat was different. Maybe like that's my. Co- you know what? I think Maroon might suffer from its placement on the album. Interesting. Um, okay. Because. One, whenever I look at, like, the second song on the album, I expect it to be, like, one of the better songs on the album. Or at least one of the, like, more, like, banger type of songs on the album. And I, like, Cardigan was that for Folklore. Cruel Summer was that for Lover. Endgame was that for Reputation. Whether Endgame we think is good or not, different question. But it was, like, an up, like, banger type of song. But then in her last two albums, Evermore, she chose Champagne Problems. Um, yeah, the problem with that was I'm going to bed now. And then yeah. and this one, it's Maroon. It's also kind of like a slower song. And I just don't expect that at the early part of an album that starts with like a, a jam. And then the third song is also a very much like pop song. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think maybe yeah. that's why I was thrown off. And maybe if I listen to it like in succession with other songs, I'd enjoy it more. I definitely think it has one with the potential to grow on me. But, you yeah. know. 72 hours post-release. I'm not very, you know, I'm more blue on Maroon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want to say one thing and then let's move on to Antihero. There's rumors that she used to date a girl, like a student from Harvard, like when she was younger. And Harvard's color is Maroon. Oh, I know that Massachusetts represent. Yes, yes. So, and like the roommate kind of definitely evokes like college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that theory out there. But, oh, no, I can get, yep, I, yeah, like I could <laughs> see that, right? Yes. And like, what do you buy in 
university like cheap ass rosé rose. <laughs> yeah like literally okay let's move to anti-hero this song got a music video and um it was definitely toted as i feel like kind of one of her like singles that's not a single mm-hmm. it's definitely the the lead single that's not getting it's getting lead single treatment without being the lead single and i think that that was a good decision for taylor <laughs> like I, yeah. I really like Antihero. And yeah. I'm like, okay, she finally kind of like nailed a good pick with like an album, you know, focal point. Yes. And like, I definitely think the vocal point of this album is just like how she really like struggles with herself mm-hmm. and a lot of things, you know, about her. And this is just new insights to her as a person that we don't normally get. Which makes sense with like, you know, it, she's talking about these songs were written at like those midnights or 13 midnights or whatever it is. And it being very like um, introspective on yourself and often be like harsh on yourself in parts. Yes. Um, I love another line that's like up there for one of my favorite lines is, I mean, predictable, but like, it's me. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm the, the problem. problem. It's me. It's like me. that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, I feel like very TikTokable. Oh, for sure. Which artists i feel like are leaning mm-hmm. into but like that's like the perfect clip there are definitely parts on this album that feel very tiktokable <laughs> yes yes it also gives me peace slash the archer vibes because those were also introspective songs where she was talking about herself it's peace in the archer but upbeat Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I have to ask, because this is, like, probably the most talked about thing on the internet. What do you think of the sexy baby line? Um, So this was something that I had saw floating around Twitter, I think, on Thursday, when the leaks were about. But I didn't listen to any of the leaks, nor could I find any of the leaks. And then I was something I completely forgot about until I was listening to the song. And it was like, I'm a sexy baby. And I was like, oh, wait. Or, like, she says, everybody's a sexy baby. And I was like, I remember reading this online. Um, no idea what that means, quite frankly. I know that's connected to some type of, like, YouTube video that may have had, like, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel hosting. Is that any recollection to you? Oh, I'm not sure. I think, like, so people are saying it's from 30 Rock? Maybe maybe it's 30 Rock. There yeah. is, yeah, there's a reference, like, the, somebody was like, I have no idea what that means. And one of the, the Swifties came in with, like, it's a connection to this. Like, don't judge yeah. that line. Um, but I did not take the seven minutes to watch the clip on Sexy Baby. And I just chalked it up to, I think she's trying to make fun of people who use, like, sexy baby voice, which is very yes. uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, there's been so many conversations. Like, Z-Way did this on her showcase show this past year where she dressed up as a sexy baby. Ooh. Miley Cyrus has done it. Like, it's definitely, like, talking about how men like a lot of you know girl like little girl uh creepiness yes uh (laughs) traits in women and yeah the infantilization of women I think that the it like I burst out laughing the first time I heard it but now that I've listened to the song like multiple times it doesn't seem that controversial to me anymore Mm-hmm. so yeah I think it's something that like is it stands out as kind of like it's like a funny line like you can yeah. grab onto it um but to me I am just upset that people are focusing more on the sexy baby line than they are about the dream that her like descendant kills her or something yes <laughs> like, okay they... <laughs> how did you interpret that because I actually like don't get that so I interpret that as she is looking at 
you know, should she have kids or other people that she's related to. And again, questioning, like, do these people actually love me for me? Do they love me for the idea of being roped around just in my, like, you know, life? Do they just like my music? Do they like being associated to fame? Um, And that thought of like, yeah, even later on in life, like, are people going to try to take advantage of me and all that? I've done. Yeah. The first verse of this album, I think, looks talks. She doesn't she like mention like her depression, like working the graveyard shift and all the people mm-hmm. that she's ghosted. And the first line, also one very TikTokable, but <laughs> also really enjoyable, is like, "I have the thing where I get older, but never wiser." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, damn, damn right, same. <laughs> yeah, mood. So I look at it kind of like in connection to to those but it's also again it's fun taylor swift loves bringing up these like weird ass like situations that people spiral about when they're lying in bed at night (laughs) like getting murdered and i I thought it was funny too that she then twisted back on herself when they're like she's looking up from at us from hell i know (laughs) i know i know so funny i just think it's fun when somebody's like yeah i'm the anti-hero like i don't possess these heroistic traits but you still root for me anyway (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. And I think, again, it's just interesting that this is how she views herself. Mm-hmm. Because, again, like, and she says this in Dear Reader. She's like, don't ask for advice for people that, like, their lives are a mess. And, like, I think, again, it's just interesting because I feel like a lot of times we just are like, oh, celebs have it, like, really easy. And it's like, well, they still have problems. They're just, like, different than ours. Mm-hmm. And, like, these just seem like what she's dealing with. Also, like, the covert narcissism piece, like, I definitely feel like she's gone to therapy. I feel like she's been in therapy for a long time, but this seems like very mm-hmm. a very specific type of like modern therapy nowadays. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I can't speak to it more than more than that. To me, that was like I have this really clever phrase I want to spin and to fit in because it's like it's really cool when people use big words and they're able to rhyme them with like other big words. I know, I know, and she's <laughs> really good at that. Yeah. Did you read into anything about like the lyrics like at tea time? To me, the first time I read that, it was only because I saw like an a- actual visual clip. I think from the music video because I haven't watched the music video yet. Like, isn't she decked out in like? what you would expect to be like 19 1700s france like get up yeah it's like apparently it's like marie antoinette yep vibes yeah and apparently in her hair she has two barrettes that are like ts and then one that says sn for maybe speak now oh oh easter egg easter egg (laughs) write it down her next album is coming and speak now (laughs) which is it should be yeah, but like no, it it can't. It literally can't be because Speak Now's still in court. Oh, I think legally it has to be debut because Speak Now and Reps 1989. and nineteen eighty nine can't be recorded. Oh. Reps Masters like timeline isn't up, yep. and then nineteen eighty nine and uh, Speak Now are in court. Ooh, okay yeah so i think it literally has to be debut well i guess we'll look forward to the twang get some mason ramsey on the features please literally <laughs> like i cannot wait to see if she like brings back her twang or like country twang or if she's just gonna like scrap it <laughs> i'm so fucking excited for that yeah but i read into tea time you know she's smart she's definitely referring to like the action the act of spilling tea tea okay like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what's that it's like at tea Time. time what comes after that is it like 
the K this is I was gonna say this is like so funny because like okay so now I've listened to this album like I would say three times fully through but like me trying to like remember the lyrics is like literally so funny like I'm singing like I know it but I don't it's at tea time everybody agrees I'll stare directly at the sun but never in the mirror Oh, I like that line, too, a lot. Yeah. Me, too. And that's very, like, I really relate to the song. One, about the depression and the ghosting. Two, about, like, I would way rather do something, like, dangerous or, like, not productive, like, stare into the sun than look in the mirror and, like, reflect on my, like, yes. own being. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I would rather go camping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally but yeah I, I like really like that and i saw on twitter this morning that somebody was like trying to be like she doesn't want to look at the mirror because she thinks she's fat and why is being fat like a bad thing or something i was like that is not how i interpreted that lyric at all yeah <laughs> like, there there has been some controversy yeah. about like the in the music video her stepping on the scale and it reading fat just because it it reads as like being fat is bad but like she has definitely talked about her own struggles with eating disorder and like body dysmorphia and like so I think that this was her trying to talk about that and it just didn't land with everybody but I feel like I maybe I'm like naive like I I would not and I didn't watch the music video so I'm gonna say like I probably should like sit this out but I don't have the time to go watch the music video as I say this before I jump back in I feel like it doesn't matter what like the the scale says in that case like if you have body dysmorphia like that's you're gonna, gonna read it right? at, yes yes um, yeah that is not saying that fat is bad it's more so pointing at like people's like, struggles with themselves and their own like personal confidence and anything along those lines totally. but I when I listen to the song I look at it as like I'm not gonna look in the mirror and like really have like a heart to heart with myself about all of these things right like yeah 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 um, and I think that's kind of the whole song is her talking about and looking at herself as an anti-hero so she's like I'm going to acknowledge that I'm wrong for not staring and looking at the mirror but I'm not gonna do that anyway so yeah snow on the beach, the beach. Weird, but, but fucking, fucking beautiful. beautiful. She really likes using the word fuck now. It's like she like allowed herself to say it on Betty. And since then, she's been like, I'm going to be a fucking badass. Fuck, 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 fuck. It's like when yes. a child like, says a swear and then they're like, oh, I have like shredded off my my like adolescence and I am now an adult. And adult. I can just fucking swear when I fucking want to and nobody can fucking stop me. <laughs> and Tori's hey, mom but... is like cringing. Yeah, yeah, That's she... what I got from Snow on the Beach. She's <laughs> turning this this episode off okay but this is the thing though with snow on the beach is like i feel like also taylor swift doesn't care about radio plays anymore does anybody i mean no one does people definitely do but i will log on to spotify and see today's top hits and i'll scroll down and be like i don't know any one of of these songs yeah and it's like they're definitely like randos that are living out in the world somewhere that probably have like some fans but it's like I'm no, not, because, I don't know you. <laughs> no, like the only time I ever listen to the radio is like if my like phone is charging and I can't connect it to my like car. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I just think that people will say fuck now because they don't care about radio plays and they don't have to have it, you know, appropriate for the radio. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I feel like people saying fuck isn't like <gasps> anymore. Uh, yeah, right? 100%. Like, like, my my mom would say otherwise. But <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, it's definitely not something I would say, like, you know, 
on the reg out in public. Like, like I do, but like I don't bat an eye if anyone says fuck anymore. Yes, like, yes. <laughs> like literally don't bat an eye. I will say though, I have to be better around my friend's kid, Henry, though, because <laughs> I, we were eating at his house the other day and I was like brought out like a hot appy from the kitchen and I was like, watch your fingies. And he goes, watch your fingies. <laughs> <laughs> you're that okay fingies is worse than fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you cannot be saying that f word around children like, come on. i said i said what what are your fingies and he goes my fingers <laughs> just about to disassociate <laughs> it's like charlie pooth i'm hungry ew i hate him so much yeah has anybody been like a more annoying internet celeb in the last like two years and charlie Poole. no and i'm so disappointed because i actually really like his music but he like makes me want to die yeah he had that song what was it song like smells like me or something that i literally could not listen to because i don't like the visual or like the i don't want to smell you you don't look like you smell good you look like one of those people who deliberately ties to smell bad to have like a personality trait Ew, he definitely looks unshowered. Like, <laughs> like for sure looks unshowered. Yeah. As a person anyway. that also hates showering, like, whatever. But, like, <laughs> it's gross. Tori says if she doesn't have, like, a 25-minute, like, whole routine pre- and post-shower. I know, I know. And I did shower this morning, so I'm feeling good. But regardless, he looks unshowered. Okay, Snow on the Beach, Feet, Lana Del Rey. This is the only, like, feature on the album. What did you think? It's kind to call it a feature. (laughs) 100%. Like, she obviously did that just because she had to. Because it's a joke. (laughs) This is a classic Taylor Swift features with insert woman here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, wait. I I hear Haim. Yes, yes. Oh, there's their (laughs) one little four words that I got to hear directly from them. And when she announced in the re-record of Fearless, she was like, oh, I have a song with Maren Morris. And then you listen, you're like, okay, yeah, I hear Maren Morris, but I hear you singing over her. Literally. (laughs) Literally, like, like where was she? It's like, okay. Like, and I'll be like, I don't know Lana Del Rey's music as much as I know, like, the two that I just mentioned. I know her her Young and Beautiful from the Great Gatsby soundtrack. (laughs) But... I was like listening for it and I was like, okay, like this, I guess this is Lana, but I was expecting her to have like a whole verse. verse. I don't know why I expected that because like, give me the like dunce cap. Like, I know, clown, <laughs> like, clown play the, yeah, like play the clown music. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, it was just so funny listening to this with other people and like literally people like pushing their headphones into their ears, being like, do I hear it? No. Like, <laughs> Literally, it's like, okay, I, I guess they are definitely harmonizing. Yes. <laughs> and, like, it sounds beautiful, but it's not a feature. Yeah. <laughs> she did background vocals. Yeah. Um, I, who was it that featured? It was, it like, Kesha featured in Right Round by Flo Rida. <laughs> yeah. like, Kesha didn't get featuring credits, but you could hear Kesha have, like, three different parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it's so funny. I feel like the only song that I can think of that is with a woman that actually gets featured is Nothing New by Phoebe Bridgers. Yes, yeah, with Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. She gets, like, a whole ass, oh, God. If, if like, I half a song. Yeah, and otherwise, if you're not Ed Sheeran, like, you're, like... 
<laughs> Don't bother. She always gives the features to the stinky men. I know. Charlie Puth, it's your time. <laughs> yeah, step up, step up, Charlie. I do like this song though. Like it's not it's not like in my opinion, it's not a huge jam. It's not like what I thought it might be when you saw like a feature of somebody where you, you get like the most, but it I like the the vibe it creates is very cool. Snow yep. on the beach. Weird but the fucking beautiful. Okay, <laughs> I will say, like, I'm not gonna be like oh, like play snow yeah. on the beach but i will say when i was on in said shower what was <laughs> i singing snow on the beach i kind of connected it to tis the damn season not because of the like winter connection and to the last great american dynasty which are like two songs and i'm like don't really if i like know if i understand exactly like their place in the order on this album um but songs that i will go listen to without having to listen to other parts of the album or yeah. like I could like dip my toes into like wanting to listen to that song but not like listen to a lot of Taylor Swift yeah totally I don't love the metaphor of snow on the beach oh they, I was thinking about that too but I'm wondering if that is because we are like northern hemisphere people who are like yes when it snows on the beach it's cold as anything out it's like winter time and the beach is like hell has frozen over like I'm like yeah snow on the beach is like something that happens but i guess for the Everywhere. southern for the southern california crowd snow on the beach is like you know that christmas movie that used to be on disney channel that's like one of my yeah. top five favorite christmas movies i don't remember what the lead actress is but brenda song is in it as the friend and they get the snowmaker yes and it reminds me of um when the snow comes down in tinseltown on hillary duff's <laughs> christmas album <laughs> like stream that <laughs> To me, it's like that vibe of like, okay, people in the South or like Southern California have like romanticized this idea of snow. Okay, I know. Because I was like, if I walk down the street in a month, there'll be snow on the beach and people it's will weird, be snowboarding. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like people will pile up the snow, bring their snowboards and do like tricks <laughs> and stuff on the beach. Like it's not, I don't know. I it, I guess you're, you're right. It's not evoking anything weird <laughs> to me, yeah but... no, right and i feel like it's also not like that beautiful because it's like yeah when it snows on the beach here i look across the ocean and it's fog <laughs> yeah yeah nothing, it's like straight nothing, fog nothing says love like fog <laughs> yeah literally but i i got what she was going for and you know she, i think she really just was like i want two things that are weird and in her brain she was like okay i've got it snow snow but on the beach. Yeah. It's weird, but fucking beautiful. Fucking beautiful. <laughs> but like pre-album, people were like, oh, it's Lana Del Rey and snow on the beach. It's like cocaine. And then she does reference coke in like a later song. It's like maybe she wanted to like dip her toe into like the coke like metaphors that she hasn't used before. And it was like when she first tried out saying the word fuck, she was like, I just want to test this this little piece out. So maybe she's just like, you know, dry running some some stuff for future albums. <laughs> okay, but actually though, I feel like there's a lot of references to being high on this album. Mm. Because she says in one song, I can't remember again because I haven't memorized all the lyrics, but she says like eyes wide like saucers. She says, you're out there smoking with your boys. Like, there's definitely, she says, half-mooned eyes. Like, I definitely think that there's, like, I, I think maybe maybe Joe smokes weed or something like that. But, like, she's definitely, like, I feel like referencing drugs more. Right, which might connect to, like, radio play and all that. Yeah, yeah, which she, again, doesn't care. The only thing I want to say more about snow on the beach was i fucking hate the line now i'm all for you like janet 
Okay, so I was gonna say, I'm like pretty sure the the line about the saucers in my eyes is in this song. Is it? Oh my god, I'm gonna because die she, if it is. She says the flying saucer lines before she says that line about Janet. Oh. And as you look at it, if that's true, our mutual friend Teddy loved. Oh, Teddy has been on the pod. Should have yeah, been on the pod. A few yeah, more times y'all know than Teddy. He was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he loves that line. Well, okay, I love All for You by Janet. I don't want to mince words. That is a fucking unreal song. But the the line reminds me of come back stronger than a 90s trend. It's like a little <laughs> cheese ball. Yeah, it says, but your eyes are flying saucers from another planet. Now I'm all for you like Janet. Okay, so you were right and I was wrong. Um, But yeah, like that seems like if you're from another planet, you're high, like... It very much reads as the person's high. It's like snow on the, on the beach. beach. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Beautiful. Maybe maybe they're like acid tripping on the beach. Yeah, and they're like, like oh maybe my God, like snow. that's what it is. Like yeah, right. And they're like, this is like weird, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe snow on the beach is a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it maybe is cocaine, but I don't know. Taylor doesn't seem like the girly that does no, her drugs. No. Like she's no, so she, she seems very straight laced, but like maybe Joe has influenced her. That would track. Okay, let's talk about your on your own. Kid. We're moving this, on. <laughs> yeah, bye. Um, this is track number five, which obviously in Taylor lore is a big deal. What did Taylor. you think? Taylor, folklore, evermore. I was actually pleasantly surprised by the fact that this is more of an upbeat track five. Um, yes, yes. And I, I think that the cool thing about the track five like vibes, right, are that it's like the most personal song on each album, right? That's kind of like what she tries to get at when she like picks those. Tori's nodding her head for those of you at home. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100%. Like, you are ready for a song that's going to rip you to shreds. And I think the lyrics do, but the sonically, it's upbeat. Yeah, but and most of them are those, like, slower ones, like Tolerate It or yeah. My Tears Ricochet or even Delicate, yeah. which is, like, more, like, quieter. I was surprised it was more upbeat. And then I was like, I actually really like this song. Me too. Me too. I really like it. So the first thing I thought when I saw You're On Your Own Kid was the first thing. It was like, don't call me kid. Don't call, don't me, call baby. me baby. Um, which I thought was interesting. Also, just the metaphor. Like, I really do feel like Taylor thinks she's a lone wolf. Like, feels like yeah. a lone wolf. And, like, that makes sense. Like, I don't think she had tons of friends in school. I think she kind of got bullied. And then... She tried the girl squad thing, but that kind of like disintegrated. And I, I do feel like she feels like she's by herself. And Jack Antonoff. Yeah, she's by herself, but with Jack <laughs> constantly. And <laughs> let's stop that. Did you see her post where she was like, it's presumptuous for me to say a lifelong friend. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah, Taylor, because you like have fallen outs with all of your friends. Like, like <laughs> So fucking funny. Okay, what did I wanted to ask you this? What do you think she meant by I didn't choose this town? I dream of getting out. There's just one who could make me stay. So I I maybe I haven't listened to it enough yet. To me, the first verse felt like her younger self. Maybe like her hometown. And look, I'm probably wrong, but I looked at the one who could make me stay it was like Drew from the aforementioned teardrops <laughs> on my guitar. <laughs> 
fuck? That's so fucking funny. I wish you all could have seen Tori's like reaction. Like she was invisibly <laughs> taken aback when I said that, and she started like, laughing. Like literally, maybe I'll post that clip. Like I'm fucking dead. I took this as maybe Calvin Harris. What town was Calvin Harrison? I don't know. Let's look. <laughs> Where does Calvin Harris live? Every time we bring up Calvin Harris in reference to one of these Taylor Swift podcasts we do, I'm always like, oh, yeah. Like, that is not <laughs> yeah. ever been on I my mind. I forgot that he was one of her very, like, long-term boyfriends. But, but, okay, but he's okay, wait, Scottish? Wait, wait. Mind-blown moment. This is my yeah. second mind blown moment. The first lyrics of the song are "Summer went away," and my favorite Calvin Harris song is "Summer." <gasps> okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. What? Okay, fucking you are a sw- you should be Swifty make Swifty. your TikTok account like. Oh my god. Okay, that makes so much sense. And then okay, this is what because in her relationship with Calvin Harris, she talks about how basically he was at the club doing I don't know what and she was not. And so it just makes sense to me about the lyrics of like, I wait patiently, he's gonna notice me. It's okay, we're the best of friends anyway. And then I hear it in your voice, you're smoking with your boys. I touch my phone as if it's your face. And then I will say, we think that getaway car, right? Nothing is about good starts in a getaway, getaway car. car. We think that's Tom Hiddleston, right? When she basically went with Tom and, and broke up with Kelvin. Because this song says, I see the great escape. I took the money. Okay. Well, and in what Getaway is Car, doesn't it say great escape? The only great escape I know is Gwen Stefani. Yeah, slash feet Akon or whoever it was. Who got a proper feature. Yeah, literally. It was the great escape, the prison break, the light of freedom on your face. One for the money, two for the show. <laughs> That's not even, is that even that song? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. That is, that is definitely a folklore and evermore song. One for the money, two for That's the show. That's definitely champagne problems. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I never was so ready, so I watched him go. go. Sometimes you just don't know the answer. <laughs> Whatever it is, someone's on there. She would have made such a perfect bride. See the bride again. Such a shame she's fucked in the head. In the fuck. Another fuck. I just feel like, yeah, this references getaway car. So that leads me to think it's about Kelvin and Tom Hiddleston. Okay. I guess I had interpreted the first verse being, like, when she was, like, like younger, like, before she went to Nashville to, like, get famous. Because the pre-chorus is, like, from sp- sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes, I waited ages to see you there. I guess I had interpreted the visual of sprinkler splashes, like, when you're young, playing a sprinkler in your yard. Hey, that makes sense, but I interpreted it as... August, like summer activities moving oh, into okay. fall winter activities. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> but then, yeah, because the, the, the second verse it does start with the like, I see the great escape, so long Daisy May. Like to me, I was interpreting that as like, my great escape is music and, and going to Nashville and starting an opportunity of my new life there. Because the second verse goes into like, um, I play songs in the parking lot. I'll run away. Cause, like her new love and interest bloomed in writing music, but maybe I'm interpreting it completely wrong. That does lead me. I feel like the parking lot thing really leads me to like teenage years, though. Yeah, 
So because I, I don't know. I, if the track five is all about like her most personal song, I really looked at all of this song as her looking at herself and her mm-hmm. journey to get where she is now and the that she's been on her own trying to do it the entire the time. The entire time. Because uh, even this, like, from Spr- Sprinkler Splashes to Fireplace Ashes, I called a taxi to take me there. I searched the party of better bodies just to learn that my dreams aren't rare. So specifically those last two lines, that like, maybe she goes to, like, an audition or she goes to, like, some type of, like, co- like festival where she's playing music. And she's like, oh, my God, there's a lot of better people than me here all wanting the same thing that I want. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, you're on your own, kid. You always have been, which is like, she's really like on her own to make this happen. Um, I didn't look at it as a love song or two or about any of her like previous relationships. I definitely agree with you that it seems like it's her reflecting on herself. But I think part of that is relationships. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I just it's like I'm hearing what you're saying, but I haven't had time to process it because I haven't listened to the song with that lens that lens yet so i'm like trying to read the lyrics and and see and then every time i read lyrics i think back to like how i've been interpreting them it's like the whole and like i see what you're saying like like i'd be saved by a perfect kiss like that obviously feels like a relationship related thing i guess i look at the line like i gave my blood sweat and tears for this i've hosted parties and starved my my body i guess to me i looked at that as like i've given everything to music i've like gone out of my way to try to get like people to see me like discover me and then again bring back the stuff that she brought like and maybe the music video from anti-hero about like her body um and trying to be like the perfect like you know american idol ish type of star yeah where it's like you can't just like have the talent you also have to look the part yeah no i i agree with that completely like for me, I hosted parties and starved my bodies, like I'd say, by a perfect kiss. I very much feel like that was her reflecting on her time in the, like, when when she was dating Calvin Harris, but, like, not about him specifically, but just in that age mm-hmm. range. Like, because I the hosted parties thing sounds like her 4th of July parties. And I feel like she definitely was, like, I'll be saved. I'll be better. I won't be alone when I find my perfect partner. Okay, so a few things I don't, that I need the pieces to solve is between what two albums was this like Last Great American Dynasty ish era when she was hosting these parties like Gatsby? Like what years were those? No, like, like, was it between Red and 1989? Was it between Speak Now and Red? Like, what era? Oh, I, oh, I see what you're saying. So this would have been, that's a good point. This would have been. Red, between Red and what came after Red? Reputation, I think. Yeah. No, no, sorry, that's a lie. I was, I would just totally skip 1989. Oh yes, okay. So it's Red. It, this is the Red in 1989 era. Okay. And then who was she? Who was she dating in Red? Harry Styles. Ugh. I know. It was like <laughs> so. It was Harry Styles, and then I think Calvin Harris, and then like Tom publicly Hiddleston. again, publicly because we know. <laughs> Carly was there. (laughs) Publicly, she was dating, I think, Harry, Calvin, then Tom. Okay. And then who'd she date after Tom? It could have been, also, it could have been Connor Kennedy. It could have been Harry, Connor, Calvin, Tom. Who did she date after Tom publicly? Joe, wasn't it? Sure. (laughs) I I don't know the deep-seated Taylorship. Taylor Swift relationship history. But then 
I guess while you're looking at that, the other part that it's like so long, Daisy May. Who is Daisy May? Do, is this a character we know? Okay, so I looked that up and I can't find anyone. Okay, just wait. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, Connor Kennedy, Harry Styles, Kelvin Harris, Tom Hiddleston. So I was right. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think that like now that I'm hearing all this, there's definitely can be a connection to Calvin Harris. Like you're talking about these parties and it being around that time span. Yeah. And then Tom Hiddleston into Joe because Joe and her have been together for six years. So they would have started shortly after Tom and Taylor broke up, which was September 2016, which would be six years to now. Yeah, I, I guess I'm like, I'm really, really trying to figure out like what the crux of this, this song is about. There's so many different elements. Like you're right. The, the love piece of like actually looking for like a partner, I think is something I had missed the first time. Cause I was not interpreting the love as like a partner, but like the love as the dream. But I definitely think there's a lot of elements in here that are like, I realize I don't need these things to be who I want to be. And just figuring yeah. that out on your own. And that's why it's like, you're on your own, kid. Figure figure these things out. And um, I feel like she felt really alone in those two relationships. Mm-hmm. Which we'll talk about later in the album. Because I think Tom Hiddleston comes up again. But, yeah. Um, okay, I googled who is Daisy May. And all I came up was a character in Animal Crossing. Not that! I know, I know. <laughs> But isn't there a Daisy in The Great Gatsby? Yes, yeah, so, so that, okay. And I yeah. didn't want to be the one to bring that up again because, like, I'm definitely like, blind. Because, like, third times yeah. the charm? Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I feel like reading it so much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there is a character, Daisy, in The Great Gatsby, but I don't know if her middle name is May. But then I'm like, like, is she, and she's talking about, like, these parties that she threw. And then the whole lot of part of The Great Gatsby is Gatsby is throwing these parties, parties. over the course of, like, five years in hopes that Daisy will come to <gasps> one of the parties. Oh, my God. Her middle name is Faye, Daisy Faye Buchanan. Do you uh, think she actually says Daisy Faye and just people picked it up wrong? I definitely think it's ma. Like Daisy okay, so Faye. or maybe, but she maybe said, she's just changing the lyrics. So it's not as obvious. Like, yeah, but it's, it's like da- this part. Where I looked at like, Wiki and it's Daisy Faye Buchanan. Oh, again, let's start our fucking TikTok. Yeah, night. right. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, look, like is she? Is she like writing this from the perspective of like I don't know I there's this is why it's so interesting to talk about this stuff because it's like all of these things can mean so many different things and I think you know like again back to what I said when I brought up Gatsby the first time is I think Taylor Swift is looking at this as like I want people to really have to like jump in and try to analyze these and give them places to like get like a foothold into how they want to analyze it and go down those trails and have people look at it in a lot of different ways because that's what makes music long lasting and that's what makes music interesting is when you're like yeah no and and books for sure but i feel like and this is i feel like a lot of the songs now that i am seeing on spotify's like top hits or whatever um are are songs that like are destined to live in the moment that is is here and now as like they're all pretty similar in terms of like what they're doing and i think that like taylor mainly because of how she she writes is songs that like you can keep going back to and interpreting in all of these different ways based off what parts you're picking out and focusing on. It's kind of like what I said earlier about the great Gatsby is like, 
if I'm reading it right now, interpreting F. Scott Fitzgerald, the author, trying to be a magician and trying to keep your focus in one area while you're missing pieces in other areas, it's like Taylor Swift is doing the same thing. Like, in just this song that we listened to, your interpretation was one thing because you picked up on all of these things and you knew her previous history with Calvin Harris and relationships, whereas, like, I did not have that context and I'm listening to it, interpreting it in a way that has really no comparison to the way that you did. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it tough to figure out like okay what is she actually talking about here but makes the song even that much more engaging to okay every time I listen to it what am I picking up on totally and you brought up the great Gatsby and like I brought up books because I think yeah that's how books also stand the test of time like the great Gatsby and there's so many different interpretations of it and I feel like she is kind of penning herself as an author, like in the all too well 10 minute version music video in the song, Dear Reader. Yeah, that's a good and connection. Like, I, I feel like she sees herself kind of as an author. And like, also, there was one other kind of hint to that. Oh, folklore. I don't know. Like people who write folklore. Yes. Yeah. And that's authors. what I said when we, I think actually in our two year podcast, I talked about how like, is she writing this because she wants there to be folklore surrounded her about like what really is is the truth and what's what's myth and what's reality and she doesn't really want to give away what is myth and what is reality she wants people to kind of be stuck in that that fog and and that's why i think she's obsessed with people like rebecca harkness Mm -hmm. and like the great gatsby because those people had all of this myth surrounding them Mm -hmm. and multiple versions of the story etc and they're talked about, you know, decades after they came out. And I think that is her her shtick. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I feel like we did really get to the bottom of something there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely think... I'm going to listen to it again. Because also, this is... We... Again, it, it's tradition for us to talk about the album. Our first hot takes, like our first couple listens... Maybe in our two year, <laughs> our two year midnight's deep dive, we'll have other <laughs> thoughts. But like, definitely agree that yeah, that this is the main thing of Taylor Swift's career is like the conversations it starts and the different interpretations that people have of it. I mean, even the line in this one that's like something different bloomed writing in my room, and then she immediately goes like, "I play my songs in the parking lot." Like, but we also know that Taylor Swift has like penned poetry. And mm. uh, no, uh, and I think you're right. Like yes. even like writing all too well to be like a ten minute long song. Like I think that's always been part of like Taylor Swift is you don't look at her just as a singer, but you look at her as a writer versus yeah. like other artists that you look at as like a singer. And there's nothing a wrong performer. with that. Yeah. But you can create so much more around yourself when you are writing your own stuff, and people don't really know exactly what you're referring to. And I mean, look, like. I'm going to speak on your behalf here. <laughs> like, neither of us are, like, musical connoisseurs, right? No, 0%. <laughs> so I, it would be, like, almost, like, presumptuous of me to come in here and be like, I'm going to analyze the fuck out of Taylor Swift same, and talk same. about, like, the backbeat and how much of a genius or an idiot Jack Antonoff is. Yeah, uh, yeah. The fun that I have with Taylor Swift and through talking about, like, this album and folklore with you is piecing together what everything is trying to say and the lyrics mean and what they mean to me and that's the fun that I have with it so like when we go on these tangents and talk about like stuff that's like not really song specific or about the album that's 
where all the fun lies and picking up all that of stuff. Of course, of course. Also, did you see where she talked about the quill, the glitter pen, and the fountain pen? Uh, is that merch, though? Like fucking knowing her coming soon, a quill pen with midnights on it, like midnight blue ink, like fuck. So apparently she was saying that she writes songs in three different ways. One with a glitter pen, one with a quill, and one with a fountain pen. And I'm just going to pull that up. Hold on. And while you do that, I mean, I know that she also referenced parts of this album in her speech at NYU. Yes. Um, yeah, she did. Including like the line, like, you're on your own, kid. Yeah, and um, the breathe in, breathe out, breathe. Yeah, and like yeah. that's the part of the mystique that she's trying to create is like everything she does is intentional, and it would be like a disservice to understanding Taylor Swift and her music if you didn't think that stuff she was doing was intentional. I know, I know, one hundred percent. Okay, so I'm on Reddit, and it said in her speech at what? NYU. Literally, if it is, <laughs> I'm gonna die. It says in her speech, no, at. When she won Artist of the Decade at the Nashville Songwriters Association International. So this was September 20th, 2022. She says she, yeah, writes three different ways. So quill songs are, if the words and phrasings are antiquated, if I was inspired to write it after reading Charlotte Bronte or after watching a movie where everyone is wearing poet shirts, and co- corsets if my lyrics sound like a letter written by emily dickinson's great grandmother while sewing a lace curtain that's me writing in the quill genre that's so interesting that is that connects, so, so fucking much interesting so much. she's mentioning these authors that have stood the test of time and i think that for taylor like that's the legacy that she wants to leave i mean yes. let's be clear too like she has really nothing left to prove like she could she could retire right now um yeah and, of course. Like, what, there's nothing else that she needs to prove it's similar to like i would say like adele in that area like adele doesn't have anything more to prove in herself yeah. and in her music for like people like them it's at the point of like creating a legacy for yourself and i think taylor swift knows that and maybe the reason that taylor swift is talking about in this album like i don't need to become like a bride or like a mother and stuff is like that's not the legacy that she feels like she has to leave but this feels like the one that she wants to yeah 100 percent. so then fountain pen songs are she says i'd say most of my lyrics fall into this category fountain pen style means a modern storyline or references with a poetic twist taking a common phrase and flipping its meaning trying to paint a vivid picture of a situation down to the chipped paint on the door frame (laughs) or the rust you could say the rust on the telephone and the incense dust on the vinyl shelf okay so she clearly was also hinting at maroon at that (laughs) in that speech placing yourself or whoever is listening right there in the room where it all happened the love the loss everything the songs i categorize in the style sound like confession scribbled and sealed in an envelope but too brutally honest to ever send okay damn um and then glitter gel pen songs she says it lives up to its name in every way frivolous carefree bouncy syncopated perfectly to the beat glitter gel pen lyrics don't care if you don't take them seriously because they don't take themselves seriously so i'd be like cruel summer 
Yeah, or like I'm thinking of like 22 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Glitter gel pen lyrics are the drunk girl at the party who tells you that you look like an angel in the bathroom. It's what we need every once in a while in these fraught times in which we live. That's fucking so, that's so funny. Probably like, what is the, is, we are never getting back together. Like that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun. <laughs> yeah, and there's Reddit threads um, that are now dividing up all her songs into these categories. That's fun. But super fun but yeah so why I brought that up was when we were just talking about again um her seeing herself as like an author and like and and these great uh references to age-old like classics and stuff yeah no I I think that just what you shared there that like Taylor Swift said makes me look at her as a writer like yeah 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 I think again that she's trying to pose herself as that too because those are the things that again stand the test of time and Mm -hmm. I think she does really care about like her legacy right well (laughs) we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back (laughs) 